Even when it hurts, seems like an appropriate song to sing when we're talking about the election. Uh, man, we're really glad that you're here this morning. Unreal, what really is kicking off a really big week. Obviously, as a country, this is a big week. Uh, but it's also a big week in our family for an entirely different reason, especially for my wife. She's not here this service. She'll be here next service. But, but pray for Beth this week. A while back, my brother-in-law, who lives up in Goshen, Indiana, along with his wife and family, had asked for my wife to come up. They're getting ready to, the husband and wife are getting ready to go to a conference next weekend. So they asked if Beth would come up and watch our nieces and nephews. They have four children, two boys and two girls up in Indiana, which already seemed like a lot. Beth's going up and now watching these, these four kids by herself. But then they asked this. They said, hey, they have a two-year-old as well. So they said, would you mind bringing Zach with you, our two-year-old, to come up? And so next weekend, my wife is by herself in Goshen, Indiana, with five children, two of which are two years old. And yeah, so, so pray for Beth, because I'm not sure which is going to be the bigger challenge, spending the weekend with all five kids or being on a plane flight for two hours trying to contain Zach. Because if you've not had the privilege of meeting our two-year-old, he is all boy and he is full bore all the time. Uh, so that's going to be quite the adventure. So next Friday, pray for her as she travels out. But I, but I say that to introduce a new series for us because many of us have been in situations before. Maybe it wasn't a toddler or two-year-old. Maybe a person was coming on a plane flight or, or coming in a place where it's a little bit quieter and they're bringing a, an infant with them. I know a couple of weeks ago, I shared last week that Karen and I, my daughter, had gone down to the Dominican Republic. And on our flight, on a return flight back from the DR, a lady started to walk down the aisle with a screaming infant, like in her arms. And, and we knew, like, it's a two-hour flight, and the flight hadn't even taken off yet, and already this infant was screaming. And, and if, if you're like me, I think we become too judgmental about this, because if you're like me, we see the, the, the child coming with the mother, and we just begin to pray to God for all things that are, <laughs> that are shaking. God, please don't let that person be sitting on my row. Like, way up in front of me would be great, but, but please don't let them sit on on my row. Like, I don't want them here anyplace else but here. And the thing I've seen, and I don't, I don't believe in karma, that's not a Christian idea, but I think that sometimes the person who complains the loudest ends up eventually with the kids who are the loudest themselves. Uh, so the person who complains the most often ends up with the kids who are the loudest. And I think that's because inside of each one of us, when we see that child, because we, we can be very judgmental as adults, we can see that mother who's in the grocery store and she's trying to take care of her kids and they're screaming. And, and maybe when we're younger, we, we're idealists and we think, man, when we get to be old enough, we're going to have the best kids. And our kids aren't going to be spoiled brats like those kids are. And, and they're sitting there screaming and we become so judgmental. And the person who complains the most ends up with the child who is the loudest I've seen. I think it's, I don't think really God gets back at us that way. But, but just uh, often that, 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 that happens. And, 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 and I think it's, Deep down inside, it's because for every one of us, we can look at that child and we can think, well, that child must be a, a brat. Look at the way he acts and he always wants that toy or, or whatever it is. And yet we don't think about, well, for that infant getting on that plane, he's getting up on a plane outside of his element and his ears are going to pop and he's not going to like it and he doesn't have his toys and he's not comfortable where he's at. And, and, and anytime we're put outside of our comfort zone, I think on some level, you and I can be just as bratty. We've just learned to filter it a little bit better. Like we've learned to hide behind the mask of being adults. And maybe the rest of the public doesn't know how much we complain, how much we don't like things. But often the people who are closest to us 
do. That's why some of us, even as we're talking, some of us are looking at our significant other saying, yeah, you know that about me, but nobody else does. Because deep down inside, we have some of those same selfish tendencies. Well, today we're kicking off a new series here at Ridgepoint Church called Thanks Living. And the idea of thanks living is that we want to combine our, our thankful attitude with the way that we do life and, and, and live in a way that's thankful living. And so thanks living is going to be our series for the month of December where we talk about what does it look like for us to live in a way that is, is thankful. And I think there's no more appropriate time. Obviously, we're doing this because Thanksgiving is around the corner, but there's just something different about this season of, of the year. In fact, even today, things start to change a little bit. I was talking to my family about this earlier this week. And, and I know some people like hate time change and it messes everybody's schedules up. But I love this particular. I love when we we'll fall back the hour. Uh, number one, because we ate an extra hour of, of sleep last night, hopefully. Uh, but number two, and, and, and more significant to me as we hit this season, is I kind of like it when it gets darker a little bit earlier right now. Because it kind of forces us to, to settle in and maybe spend some more time together and, and, and have those moments where we're thinking about others instead of so focused on going and thinking about ourselves. And so we kick off a series at this point because we believe this is the season where we are the most thankful already, uh, but also it's our chance to, to figure this thing out the best uh, that we can so that the rest of the year we can continue to, lead, to live in, in a stream of just living thankfully as best we can. And so I want to kick off this morning, we're going to get into, we're talking about three different topics throughout the series, but I want to begin just as kind of a, a, an overview of the whole series. I want to talk about this idea of, of living thankfully and what that looks like. Over in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in, in verse 28, it begins with these four words. It says this, therefore, these five words, therefore, let us be grateful. And here the writer of Hebrews, whoever that is, we're actually not sure according to Scripture who wrote Hebrews, but the writer of Hebrews is, is speaking to a Christian audience. And he says, listen, here's how we should conduct our lives. We should live in a way that is grateful. And he begins this verse with those five words, but we're focusing on four. Let us be grateful. Now, if I look at modern day America, if I look at just the way that we kind of do life, we're going to look at why the problem is there in, in a little bit. But if I just look at us as a culture, and if I were just to, to start to describe words, use words to describe what is America right now, grateful would probably not be at the top of the list. We talk about words of, of, of maybe we're very partisan and, and we're, we're very angry at times and, and we're very entitled at times. And, and we probably use different words, but, but to be grateful and yet... I would say if we pinned people down and said, what do you really think about our country? We'd say it's, it's the greatest country on the face of the earth. And yet we're not very grateful as a people. And we're going to talk about why that is in a little bit. So the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, let us be grateful. And continuing that verse, it says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. So specifically, it's talking about let us be grateful in the context of if we are truly believers in Jesus, then, then this trademark of our life should be that we are grateful because as believers in Jesus, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That no matter what else happens, if we go in Tuesday to the election and, 
and we think, man, this, the person that I wanted to win, and listen, even Christians are divided as to who they want to win right now. It, it, it's one of the craziest election cycles I've ever seen in my lifetime. And if we go into this and, and, and we say, man, if the election doesn't turn out the way that, that I want, then, then everything's going to just fall apart. The writer of Hebrews says, let us be grateful because we have as believers a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I loved, right as the election cycle was starting to pick up, uh, Andy Stanley was preaching a series up at North Point Church, and, and, and he actually talked to people who freak out about elections, and most of them tend to be like 50 years and older. And Andy Stanley made this statement. He said, stop, you're scaring the children. Like, like literally, like people are freaking out about this. And, and he says, listen, we're, we're scaring the children. Just stop. We, we don't freak out. God is still in control. And the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It doesn't matter what happens in the election. It doesn't matter what happens in, in, our, in our personal lives. We have received as an inheritance because of God's favor in our life, we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so because of that, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and all. Let us be grateful for the kingdom that he's given us. Similarly, it says over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What I've seen out of a lot of people that are genuinely trying to follow Jesus, is this desire to try to find out what God's will is for their life. And, and I get that. Like, we want to know the specifics. God, and when we're young, it's, God, where am I supposed to go to school? And who am I supposed to date? And who am I supposed to marry? And what career do I choose? And maybe as I get older, it's, uh, do I move here? Do I accept this job promotion? Or uh, we, we try to figure out, God, what is your will for my life? And we try to figure out the very specific things that God wants us to do for our life. And I think that's valid. I think that's entirely okay. But when there's a general principle laid out in Scripture where it says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He says, stop trying to worry about the specifics of your life. If you're grumbling, complaining about the life that you have now, then you're not fulfilling the general will that God has for you. And so why are we worried about specifics when our life is not marked by the general call of God where it says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is, for every one of us, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so with that as a backdrop today, we kick off a series we're calling Thanks Living. A series where we try to, to figure out what does that look like, not just in this season, because here's what I've discovered, is that for, for most people, even people who don't consider themselves followers of Jesus or, or even churchgoers. This is a season where they tend to be more generous, more caring, more aware of people around them. But it's not enough if we just say, okay, in this season we're going to do a couple of good things, make ourselves feel better about ourselves, and then come January we're back to setting goals and trying to figure out what our kingdom looks like, and we try to inherit our kingdom, which can be shaken. And then we wonder why we lose things like being appreciative and being content, being given. And so today we're setting out on a three-week series called Thanks Living, where we're going to tackle each one of these topics. And we're asking, what is the goal? How can I, how can you live thankfully on a consistent basis? If you're a note taker, write these three things down because we're going to drill down deep into each of these topics over the next couple of weeks. 
what is the goal? What is it that I'm trying to, to get to? What's the goal of this idea of, of thanks living? Number one is to be appreciative. To be appreciative. When I talk about pre- be appreciative, it is a tendency to look back and to say, man, you know what? I have things pretty good. Like we're living in a country where we have a lot of freedoms. We have a lot of excess. Like even as people freak out and complain about the election, we still have a lot of great things going for us. We have to learn to count our blessings. We're going to talk about that today. So looking back. The second one is to be content. Living in the present right now. To say, man, because I'm appreciative of the past, I need to learn right now living in the present to be content. We'll talk about that next week. And the final one, the third week, we're talking about be sacrificial. It is a looking forward. Saying, okay, now because of the past, because God has given me so much, because I, I, I'm appreciative of all of that, today I've learned how to be content and have satisfaction. And if I've learned those two things, then I want to give sacrificially in order to, number one, build up God's kingdom in the future, but number two, just to be able to help out a world that is desperately in need of the hope that Jesus offers. And I have a chance in my life to figure out how to, in a very substantive way, be able to share the hope that Jesus has for us. And so we're going to talk about these three topics, but today we begin by talking about the topic of how can I be appreciative? We want to work hard at appreciating what we have, but why is appreciation so important? Why is it that you and I, we have it so good, we have it, we have it really nice, but what is it that gets in the way of us living an appreciative life? We're going to do some things today. We're actually going to find out a practical way that we can today, right there in the service, appreciate some things about life. Because, because here's, what, here's what I know. Actually, right as the service began, I didn't even know what they are doing, but our children's ministry had asked me to, to come over. They're actually doing a, a similar series, part of their orange curriculum. And, and they're kind of showing appreciation to different people. And so right as our service began, uh, they had me go over and, and just, the kids want to show appreciation. It was really cool. I received a, like a Lifetime Achievement Award. It's kind of a, a cool thing. Like it was, it was really neat. They, they signed, a, they autographed a baseball for me, which was like the biggest gift I received. So I love baseball. Uh, and, and so when we feel appreciated, when people take time to appreciate us, it makes us feel good. And yet, because of two things that are plaguing our lives and our generations, often we get away from feeling like we're being appreciative ourselves. So two things I want to talk about today in terms of why we're missing out, why we don't always appreciate things around us. Number one is this. We have a sense of entitlement. Why don't we appreciate? Because we have a sense of entitlement. Now, there was a time in our country's history where people worked hard diligently, often at the same job for, for decades, worked hard, put away a little bit in the 401k savings because they wanted to earn things for themselves. But we see in our culture and our generation that some of that mindset is beginning to go away. And especially if you've lived a little bit longer life, you can look back and say, I remember when the whole country used to be that way, but things have changed drastically. And I want to say that they have. But for most of us, we think this is a relatively recent phenomenon. This idea of having a sense of entitlement of saying instead, because if, if I want to be appreciative, the opposite of being appreciative is to say, I deserve something. 
So I, my response is either I appreciate something or I deserve something. These are two polar opposites. And the sense of entitlement comes with the idea that I deserve this. Simply because of me being who I am, I deserve this. And, and we see this in our culture. In fact, I would say this permeates and saturates our culture where people just think, well, I deserve this. And we think this is a relatively recent phenomenon. But there was a study done back from 1979 to 1984. I know it's going to be hard for some of us to believe, but that means that was 40 years ago almost. So 40 years ago, they started to do this study for a period of five or six years. They started to ask questions. And there's a group, and the group was called the Public Relations Society of America. And they started to conduct a series of surveys on the American public to determine whether or not there was a growing trend of entitlement being spread through popular opinion. So this was back almost 40 years ago, 35 years ago. They began to survey people just, just to try to figure out, is there a growing sense of entitlement? Now back then, I don't even remember really that word being thrown around a lot, that word of entitlement, but already the idea, it wasn't permeating culture yet. But experts could already see where it was going. By the time the survey was done, the reports, from the, the reports from the survey detailed that expectations are beginning to surface at the time might have a moderating influence on entitlement attitudes in the future. So it said we're not entitled yet, but the expectations that we're starting to see in culture might eventually lead to entitlement attitudes. So already 35 or 40 years ago, they identified Culture is starting to go this way of entitlement. And today, 35 years later, we're living that. We're living it out where instead of we appreciate something, we feel like we deserve something. And these two ideas are polar opposites to each other. And so what happens, especially for those who are part of a younger generation, is, is we're kind of raised thinking, well, we deserve these things. And we want these things now. And I saw this with my generation when we started going up and we started getting married and we started was kind of planning our family. We kind of saw how much our parents had worked and labored to get where they were. And we thought as soon as we're married, all of these things are just going to be given to us. And we're going to go get a, get a nice house with a big TV and the new car. And, and people said, because I can't afford this, I expect one of two things. Because there's a sense of entitlement, I expect one of two things. I expect either because I can't afford it, I expect someone to give it to me which we see this in culture where people can't afford stuff, so someone should just give it to me. And it might be that it's a, a family member, and I expect you to give me this. This is part of what I think should happen. Or maybe someone can't afford something, and they expect the government to give it to them. And we have this sense of entitlement where people expect that if I can't afford it, someone should be providing this for me. And ultimately, if I can't afford it, and someone isn't providing it for me, I still have a sense of idea in my mind that I deserve this. And so if I can't afford it and someone isn't providing it for me, then the next response is I'm going to go find a way to get it on credit. And I'll pay for it later. We have this sense of entitlement. And the sense of entitlement fights against our idea that we're going to be able to appreciate the very things that we have. Because I always think, whatever's next, I can get whatever's next. I can slide the card and, and that's going to bring me a, a sense of of, of, of fulfillment in my life and and i've never had that sense of appreciation directly into that a couple of spots in scripture jesus speaks of this in the book of luke and paul writes in first timothy a laborer is worthy of his wage 
the harder we work for something, the more we appreciate it. Just in life. The harder we work for something, the more we appreciate it. A while back, I started trying to get into running, and, and it's a hard endeavor. And at the end of some of these races, I see people that run marathons, and I say, man, I don't even know how you can do it. But at the end of marathons, sometimes just for finishing the marathon, they'll give you a, a little gold medal or something for completing the marathon, which is a, a, it's a powerful thing, not because of the medallion that you receive. I've priced those. They're not that expensive. Like if you told me I'm going to train for two years and then I'm going to go out and run 26 miles consecutively to receive a little $12 trinket, I'd pay you 20 and avoid all of that. Why is that so valuable for the person who completes the marathon? Because of the work that they put in. And the harder I work at something, the more I appreciate it. When we go through life, if instead of us saying, I deserve something and someone needs to give it to me, I say, I want to work towards that. I want to achieve that. The harder I work, the more I can appreciate things that I have. The second one, if the first one is, is prevalent, the second one is dominant. If entitlement is present in permeating culture, and I believe that it is, this second one I've, uh, that I identified, I think this is the number one reason why we don't appreciate. And, and I think if entitlement isn't true for you, I think the second one is probably going to be true for just about every one of us this morning. The reason why we don't appreciate and why we're not living that thankful life, that thanks living life, is simply because we've become too dang busy. Like we go from one thing to the next so quickly. We just got done with, with one uh, season and kind of Halloween and a chunk or treat and all that stuff. And, and then Thanksgiving comes. And, and here's what I love. This is my favorite. November is my favorite month of the year. But it's like November hits and Thanksgiving hits. And, and we all do this. We jump right into Christmas mode. And then it's this happens and we have Christmas services. And once one service ends, then another one's going to be getting ready to begin. And this is what it's like even living in the church world. One of the reasons why it's really hard for us to appreciate what God is doing in our life it's because for us in church, we're going to finish up today. We're going to celebrate, man, Sunday was awesome. And then tomorrow morning, we meet staff meeting and say another Sunday's coming. And that's how life is for every one of us. And we get so busy that sometimes we can't appreciate the beauty that is all around us. Josh Bell, in a study that was conducted by the Washington Post, 
They sent Josh Bell, who's a world-class violinist, up in one of the metro stations in Washington, D.C. World-class violinist playing, by the way, a $3 million Stradivarius violin. And he sat him there for over an hour playing his violin. And the whole time he was there, a couple people stopped to kind of pay attention and kept going. One person actually stopped who recognized him. But everyone else was so busy with their nose to the grind and their head down, they never even stopped to realize that the night before, or nights before, this guy had actually put on a concert where people plucked down hundreds of dollars for one ticket. And here he was, this world-class violinist, playing a Stradivarius violin. And because they were so busy with life and, and work, they didn't realize the beauty that was right in front of them. And, and we don't stop to appreciate life because we're so busy. We don't stop to let people know in our lives how much we appreciate them because life moves so fast. I shared this a couple of years ago, but one of the things I try to do every Thanksgiving, I've done this for the last few years, is I try to stop on Thanksgiving Day at some point and consider one person in my life who poured in my life at some point and to give them a call. And sometimes it's people that haven't, we haven't talked in years and I just say, man, I, I want to stop the franticness of, night, of life and, and let you know how much you're appreciated. We get so busy, we don't, we don't do that. We don't stop and appreciate the people around us. We don't appreciate our family and let them know we're so busy, especially as parents, sometimes we're so busy in directing life and coordinating family events. We never stop to, hey, I want to let you know as my child that I appreciate you. In the Bible, in the book of Luke, there's a story about a couple of, of people who were busy in, in life. In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, the story of Mary and, and Martha says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Listen, we can all identify. If you've never heard this story before, you can identify with this because you have company coming over and you're so busy. Listen, Thanksgiving is around the corner. And if you're hosting Thanksgiving, it's so easy to say, man, the house has to look just right and, and the table has to be set. We have to have all the fine china out and everything has to look just right. And then family shows up and it's like we're in this frantic pace to make sure everything's just right and make sure everything's cleaned. And that's where Martha is at that point. She's taking care of all of the stuff. And it says about Mary that she just sits down and she just starts talking to Jesus and hanging out. Because at the end of Thanksgiving, people aren't going to remember how much we cleaned or if everything looked just right. But they are going to remember the quality time together. They remember how much we appreciate each other. And the thing is, Martha comes and she complains. She says, tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her and said, Martha... Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. We can be so busy doing things. Things that are really good. There's nothing wrong. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't detail exactly what Martha was doing. But there's nothing wrong with making sure our house is clean and making sure the food tastes good. There's nothing wrong with all of that stuff and, and, and making sure everything looks just right. But we can be so focused on what is good 
that we never appreciate what is great in our life. We can be so focused on doing good that we never stop to appreciate what's great in our life. Martha was doing good work. There's nothing wrong with any of the stuff she was doing. But she was so focused on doing good that she didn't appreciate what was great in her house at that moment. Now, I was convicted a couple of weeks ago that as we were kind of preparing for this, that we could get so busy in life. And I give us a message. The thing is, we're going to get done. And, and, and life gets really busy again as soon as we get done with church. We go out to lunch. Actually, I have a wedding this afternoon, so I'll be heading about an hour north for a wedding. And, and you guys are going to be prepping for work tomorrow, and life is about to happen. And we get so busy, and we don't stop to appreciate that. And so we want to do that right now. I'm going to ask Adam and Rachel to join me up on the stage. And for everybody else, you should have gotten one of these cards when you came in. It's Thanksgiving. It has a list of five. If you didn't get a card, uh, we'll make sure that you get one. But Thanksgiving, it says list of five. And here's what, here's what we're going to do. is We're just going to take time during service. They're going to play kind of behind us. And I want you to think about right now. It doesn't have to be big things. It can be little things. But just as a way of stopping and saying, God, I want to, in the book of Psalms, it says we want to enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his porch with praise. God, I want to begin this season by just being appreciative in my life of some things that I have or some things that I've seen. And so right now, as you guys go ahead and you guys can start playing, or I guess Adam's playing. As Adam plays, I want us to go ahead. Right now, it's part of the service. Get out your card and write down five things that you appreciate about life right now. As I started to write down some of those things. And even though I knew this was coming, I wanted to be just as spontaneous as everybody else, so I didn't even give time to my list yet. As I started writing down those things, two things came to mind. Number one, 
There are so many things I want to put on the list, but I had to limit it to five. So many things that we could appreciate. And number two, almost every, maybe every one that I wrote down wasn't about something that I have, something tangible that I have, but about people that are in my life. I want you to do this. I want you to, if you haven't finished filling out a card, fill it out at some point today. And keep that card someplace obvious for you. Someplace where you're going to see it. And this week, if you ever get to the spot of grumbling, complaining, pull that out and say, man, but I appreciate it so much. I appreciate these people God's given me. Top of my list, number one, not to sound spiritual, but top of my list, I said, number one thing I appreciate is, is my salvation, the grace that God's shown me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace in our lives. God, I thank you for our salvation, the chance we have to, to be with Jesus and, and to live with you forever. God, a grace that wins. I pray this week, as we try to apply some of these principles, God, I pray that we would live gratefully. Your word tells us to live and let us this week. Let us live in a way that is truly thankful. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.